Hello and welcome to the Not A Game Christmas podcast. Uh, <laughs> shut up. I'm your host, Philip Orr, and with me today are Tom Hatfield. Hello. And our special guest, Phil Savage. Hello. Hi. Right. We kind of peaked quite soon with our Game of the Year podcast, like not last week, but the year, the year before, the week before. <laughs> so today we are just probably going to meander through some hopes and dreams for 2014 and what you should be playing yeah. over Christmas. Yeah, no. I mean, we, we, we knew we could get all, all four people together last uh, in the last podcast, so we thought we should do our gotties then a little early. Mm. Oh, also, listeners, I might sound a little strange because I have got, I have, uh, I've had the flu the last couple of days. Yeah, you try saying doom piano now, my friend. Doom piano? Oh, fuck. Yeah, that was... <laughs> 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 that was only me. Unfortunately, my cold voice is nowhere near as adorable as Pibs. Oh, mine's just ridiculously <laughs> mockable. Anyway. <laughs> right, so what should we start with? Should we start with what you're going to play over Christmas or what you did last week or what? Did either of you do anything interesting last week? Game related? Um, I did start playing the Just Cause 2 multiplayer mod. Ooh. That, that's come out officially. Oh. Um, I think and... the weirdest method of beta-ness uh, where it would just be like one random day out which is like, it's up! It's gone! Well, yeah, usually it'll be, they'll, they'll tell you beforehand, oh, it's going to be all weekend, download the client now, get ready, and then they'd be hit by a denial of service attack or something, or the servers would just crash and it wouldn't happen. So it's been incredibly rare to actually be able to get access until the last couple of weeks when they put a beta up for a week just saying, yeah, it's up now on Steam, go for it. Uh, And then after that, yeah, it's released. How's it been? Has it been good? Fun? Um, Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, one of Just Cause 2's big problems has always been for all the chaos it lets you cause, it punishes you quite severely for it. Um, A lot of the guards and stuff will just hound you to, well, usually death. Um, Just Cause 2 multiplayer, there are no guards. Instead, there are players who are just as deadly, but also more cruel and arbitrary. You can have like thousands of people on just in the map on one server. Um, usually, uh, for popular ones, you'll get a couple of hundred. And because it's so unstructured, nobody's really got an idea of what to do and whether they should even be killing each other. So mm. it, it, everything just exists on the edge of this violent outburst. So is it chaotic to the point where they expect you to sort of do something emergent gameplay-ish? Kind of. What they've done is they've put most of the power into whoever's creating the server. Um, That goes to the point of they can, if they want, create events. Um, Mm. There are a lot of sort of pre-scripted races that you can set up and activate really easily, but it's actually down to the person creating the server to make that. also, you can put in an economy uh, so that if you kill players or win events, you'll get money, which goes towards this lower scripted uh, spawn menu thing, um, buy new weapons and vehicles and stuff. Alternatively, you can just say, screw it, uh, and give everybody everything for free. Ooh. And that, that just leads to, um, well, when we were playing it in the office, a lot of what was going on it was people were starting at the mile high club spawning there that's the sort of high blimp party zone oh yeah 
Mm. Um, and spawning the largest jumbo jet in the game and just crashing it into the blimp on top of players. <laughs> Enjoying uh, it then? Recommend? Uh, it's worth checking out. Um, it's certainly, you know, if you've got Just Cause 2, it's the best reason you're going to get to go back to it and have a look. Uh, whether it will turn into a long-term thing sort of depends on the community and how that kind of, whether there are servers that become popular and become a lot more sort of structured to an extent. Um, mm. Otherwise, it is just this weird curiosity that's kind of fun to look around and just look at and go up at and go, oh my god, you people. The one uh-huh. thing I do find in like open world games is that adding multiplayer to them kind of gives you a little bit, it kind of solves the directionlessness problem. Because instead of you personally going around going, oh, I could go here, I could go there, I'm not really sure, you have that debate with another person, and that kind of gives it, I don't know, it almost gives a narrative to it, the, uh, oh, we decided to do this. Instead of, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, less of just cause, probably, because it's so mental and chaotic. But, um, I don't know, but it, it kind of gives meaning to your decisions a little bit more when you're making it with another person. Yeah, I mean, the way Rockstar have decided to go about it is smaller servers, you know, usually about 16 people for, like, Grand Theft Auto V or Red Dead Redemption, uh, give them lots to do, and keep in, like, the police and the civilians, so you've still got that sort of same core experience anyway. So when random things happen, it's just a lot more fun because there are friends here. Here, the island's basically deserted. I don't even think you get um, just civilians going around, and there's definitely not the soldiers or anything. So it's kind of, yeah, it's unstructured and freeform to the point that there's that same kind of paralysis of, well, what do we even do now? Mm. I think that might be, with predictions for 2014, I think that's going to be a big thing over the next year or so, is trying to find that sort of sweet spot in between like a full-blown MMO and a a, a single-player or small-scale co-op game where you can have a bunch of people in a city, but it doesn't have to be all the people in the world. Is the word you're looking for mingle player? No, mingle player. <laughs> Firstly, mingle player is awful. Secondly, it's that's that's something else. That's like Dark Souls style stuff, I think. Where okay. you, you play a single player game, but you see things from other people's games. Um... I I think I I I came up with the term that I don't want any PR person to ever hear uh, mediumly multiplayer <laughs> or moderately multiplayer. I think the big question is where do driver tars fit into all of this? Uh, I think they driver tars everywhere. are a form of mingle player, actually. There is absolutely nowhere where it would not be appropriate to take your driver tar. You have no idea. <laughs> mingle player with your driver tar, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, in this the year of Bidoof. So, well, it's 2014, the year of Bidoof. joke. <laughs> the year of Bidoof. I'm trying to come up with a whole like Chinese calendar well you know 2015 year is the year of the ps3 oh of course the from the thing they said way back at the beginning that it's going to take people i don't know how what, what they said it was going to take people like 10 years to unlock the potential of this, this machine and obviously they've now released a new one before that time has come <laughs> uh, digging them out of the cupboards in two years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this old thing oh oh what else have you been playing then? Or oh, hang on, what have you been playing then this last fortnight, Tom? Uh, I've been playing Frozen Endzone, um, which is now in beta, and so technically could, is a game of 2014, theoretically. Oh. Or a game that will presumably eventually be released then. Uh, and I'm really liking it. It seems like there's been 
a lot of different reactions to it. Um, it's uh, it's it gives you that similar kind of hit with Frozen Endzone uh, with sorry with Frozen Synapse in the um, this, this they're all, the games are incredibly short and you play them so asymmetrically um, that you can just always send out a turn or whatever and be halfway through a game at any point. But at the same point at the time, I occasionally find myself. Um, Occasionally worry that that, int- that people, but because it's so easy, it slides into your everyday life. You can sometimes easily forget about it and not keep it up. I don't know. Uh, so I, I don't know how. I hope it continues to be popular because I really enjoy it. And again, predictions for 2014 between Frozen uh, Endzone and Sm- is it Smee Sports or Smez Sports? I'm not sure how you say it. Uh, Michael Bro's game, mm. but we played at um, Game City Pip. Between yes, that, I think. Um, 2014 will be the year of balls because <laughs> <laughs> indie developers are kind of with those two games it feels like they're kind of waking up to the fact that you add a ball to something and it becomes like this huge spectrum of possibilities uh, on films mm-hmm. like as soon as you've got when you like when you're running your robots around in frozen end zone and you're like um, blocking path routes and uh, pushing towards uh, the other side it's, it feels like you've got like a, a fairly small like finite amount of things to do and then you pick up the ball and it's like I could put this anywhere there are literally infinite possibilities they're not infinite because there are a finite number of squares on the board but um, with you get like two passes in the traditional one you get two passes per game as well so the amount of things you can suddenly do just explodes from mm. the fact that you can pass a ball around um, yeah they do seem to really energise the space because yeah. they add that sort of slightly chaotic uh, but fun element. So the interesting thing I find about it is that they've got already at the moment like three, four game modes in there. Mm. Um, uh, because they'd already like f- they're, they're very good. I think at, before they went into beta, which is what it's technically in now, uh, they uh, they really ironed out all the basic interactions, like how tackling was going to work, how blocking was going to work, how passing was going to work and the, the the interface is amazing by the way it's just a gorgeous it's really easy to use version of the frozen synapse system yes. in fact it's exactly the same with the way you put in waypoints and timers it's just, it's just incredibly simple to use by comparison and works really well visually um mm. but yeah they put this together um they, they put all those solid things together but then they've also been iterating on the rules of the game almost like they've got all the the actual in engine things built, and now it's almost like it's a real sport, and they're just changing the rules. So they've got um, the regular version end zone, where which has a bunch of restrictions. Like you get one play each, and if you if you get tackled or your opponent catches the ball, that's it. Your chance to score is over. And you can, um, and there are a bunch of restrictions on it. Like uh, when you're carrying the ball, you can't take it backwards from where you picked it up, and uh, if you run, you can't ever pass again. And mm. you can only pass the ball twice. I think those are the main rules. There's quite a lot of restrictions on that. Mm. Um, but they, they serve to like constantly push you forward and make these really fast bite-sized matches. I was a bit uncertain about it at the beginning, but I actually quite like it now. Whereas handball removes some of those rules. Um, and that uh, well, Handball is one... Sorry, handball, you, um, if you tackle someone or intercept the ball, it carries on. And it's mm. just... Uh, and you get to run it back down the other end, and I think it might just be the first person to score. Um, but it goes back and forth, and handball easy does that, but I think 
because I haven't actually managed to find a game with this one yet, removes the uh, the restrictions on passing and stuff like that. So it's all completely you can run anytime, run anytime, anywhere, pass the ball as many times as you want. Um, that's the ones that they they say that, weirdly the ones with less rules are kind of the ones that are in alpha now because they're concentrated so hard on end zone. And I think there's also single player, which is basically end zone, but you don't instead of playing both sides of it, it's just like one, it's just one off. And if you if the and if you defend successfully, you win. If anyone scores, uh, if you score, you uh, lose. So yeah, it works surprisingly well. And I'd be really interested to see what they what they actually plan to add to it over the beta. Because, mm. um, like I said, it's it's like they can iterate it on it almost as a sport by adding extra rules to that, rather than as a game by changing the mechanics in any way. Mm. Um, also. But also, it'd be nice to see just little layers of polish on there. Like, there's always some there's always some really cool stuff where there's like different situational animations for the robots when we tackle each other or whatever. Um, so if there's a robot just running up straight towards someone, it'll just punch the other one in the face. Whereas yes. if they're, if they're like running past them and they catch them at the last minute, they'll like reach back and grab them by their collar uh, and yank them forward and things like that. So it'd be nice to see little procedural animations like seeing people like seeing them like shimmy around each other and stuff like that mm. but no it's uh it's really good and i hope people keep playing it because it's it's one of those things where it's it does it's just constantly going in the background and it doesn't have to take up your life which is what the mode 7 have always done i guess with frozen synapse yeah mm. and it'll be interesting to see indie games doing sport because I don't know how many of them actually play sports and it's like a really interesting creative take on it from an outside perspective. So basically where we're at the moment is it seems like our ultimate game of 2014 will be mingle player and involve Bidoof and balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd sign up to that. I think that would be good. Bidoof soccer world. <laughs> I feel like I haven't really played much this week because, well, one... You got last week as well. And well, yeah. The week before, I was mostly sort of, like, uh, working but sneaking in quick games of, like, CSGO and <laughs> Dota and stuff like I that. I so. CSGO in the sale, and I really want to play it, but I just... I, if, even the fucking menu feels like an alien world to me. What? <laughs> like I look up and it's like, what What happened to just, like, find a server and stuff? What, what is this casual and, and, uh, and <laughs> uh, proper... <laughs> I can't even remember what the other one's called. <laughs> Why do I have to get a ticket for a thing? What what was going on? <laughs> no, I can't actually. Mostly, I just sort of dip into it with Craig, the absent Craig, and uh, just sort of sit there trying. Well, usually I'm not on his team because I always pick the opposite team to Ed Fenning so that I can try and kill him. Um, but he's always on the opposite team to Craig, so Craig and I have to team up. Which it's just it goes against everything yeah. I believe. In be honest but you know never mind yeah hang on the enemy of my enemy is my friend <laughs> so yeah i would definitely like to help you kill ed uh <laughs> yes no that should so be. i should join in with some people in csgo because i have no fucking idea what i'm doing right now uh i've basically <laughs> i don't want to play counter-strike i played cs source in the office in pc gamer once when I revealed to them that I hadn't actually played Counter-Strike, they insisted that I play it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I've also been playing a lot of Christmas Dota as well, like both just the Christmas map, normal Dota, and their um, festive event Dota, which is kind of like a defense like, you know, wave defense kind of. Hello! Some kind of defense of an ancient. Kind of things. Uh, well, you're defending an altar so that Skeleton King can rise oh. again as So that's what Dota actually stands for in the world. It is defense of the altar. Well, at the moment, yeah. Well, defense of the altar too, except there wasn't a defense of the altar <laughs> one. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, no, so that's actually been, it's been all right because it involves using the heroes in a different way and there are some different items that you can use and sort of get to grips with. So that's been that's been interesting. Also, one of the heroes that I play an awful lot of is really useful for it. So that's just, it's kind of like, you know, when you know something quite well, so it's kind of like the gaming equivalent of comfort eating <laughs> whenever you play it you're just like oh i don't really know what to oh I'll just play as venomant so that'll be nice and relaxing <laughs> <This> <laughs> i won't have to think too much no the, this is basically what football manager has been in my life most of the time especially because you can, i can usually watch a tv show or listen to a podcast while i'm doing it nowadays mm. that's kind of been replaced by xcom Okay. I yeah. play way too much xcom i, I think like... i'll probably play some xcom over christmas because much as I love Dota, playing it on my horrible, horrible boot camp laptop setup on my knee in bed is not necessarily the most fun for me or anyone I'm playing with. I recently discovered actually the uh, the training roulette option on XCOM. I think it's only with Enemy Within. And that's mm. really cool for just changing the tone of a game a lot because it, it randomizes what everyone's skills are when you mm. select them. And as a result, every soldier is an individual rather than it being your cookie cutter, this is what I give a sniper, this is what I give a uh, support. Mm. So it's really interesting. You get amusing interactions like, the, I think uh, you get a support who has um, the thing that gives them an extra item and then you can research the thing and then it also gives you an extra item. So you've got three things and then you get the thing which turns all grenades into two grenades and they're running around with six different grenades. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I think over Christmas as well, I'm going to, um, well, before I go home, I'm going to download uh, a load of the single player things that I've started and not quite finished, mm. just so that while I'm back, I'll be able to properly tick some things <laughs> off, because that bloody Steam sale is just ruining my life again. I mean, there's not actually that much in it that I haven't mm. got already if I wanted it, but it's just really reminding me that I'm still behind and will never catch up ever, ever, ever. <laughs> The twenty four uh, the list of shame uh, is going to probably have to be tackled next year, despite the fact that it seems like every fucking game in the world is coming out in March, so we've got to finish stuff by then. You've got three months, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But I've got... Uh, they're all so long as well, the ones that I put off, because it's this things like The problem. Witcher 2, or Stalker Call of Pripyat, or Dragon Age 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for me, I've got well. lots of games that I've just started and not been able to finish, because... Um, they weren't things that I was doing for work, so they took a back seat. Like, even when I was enjoying them, it was kind of, oh, I should, you know, I need to go and play something else. So it'd be nice to, to actually polish some things off. Good. Mm. How about you guys? I mean, like, last year I spent Christmas playing um, Minecraft on a friend's server, like, with the TechIt mods installed, and that was kind of cool. Well, I won't go home for Christmas and only going to have my uh, tiny little netbook so I'm only really going to be able to play indie games uh, and even then not it, well, even then like 2D indie games really like mm. gone home would probably be more than it could handle uh, 
So I'm trying to figure out what to do actually because I've uh, I, 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 you, I use that to play things a lot on the train, um, and I've just finished Thomas Was Alone over the course of like six or seven train journeys. Mm. Uh, so now when I take when I take when I take the train home tomorrow, I'm gonna have to figure out what I'm uh, I'm actually gonna play, which is tricky. Um, I had I have Braid and VVV, but I'm not very good at them, so I'm kind of stuck. Okay, it's because it's easy. <laughs> How about you, Phil? Um, well, I'm going to go home in like with the grand desire to polish off some sort of long-awaited game that's been on my list forever. Something like Planescape Torment mm. that I never got around to playing and is one of the classics. But what will actually happen is I'll just end up playing Minecraft with my two young sisters. <laughs> because they love it. That's um, cool. What sort of stuff have they built? Like, have they got like a really cool world that you can? I don't know actually, because I've not seen them for like months and months. So it will just be them touring me around various places. Um, <laughs> but it's one of them is big into like just creating things and won't ever play it on survival mode. Will only ever play creative and mm. just you know tinker around and uh, just make little houses or whatever. The other one prefers like just killing things. <laughs> um, she's a violent child. Good time. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, so I think I'll probably play a lot of iOS games as well, just because of it being so much easier to take my iPad home than my Xbox or anything. Because there was a time when I would have taken a console home with me, but uh, <laughs> it's really heavy, you guys. <laughs> That's it. The console's getting heavier. It's just making making transportation that much more difficult. Mm. I think I'm getting lazier as well. Like my arms are getting weaker <laughs> and sort of like slowly atrophying into this like little T-Rex. Sad. Just, just a couple of Dota claws for clicking on your mouse and. <laughs> yeah, that's basically uh, it, really. <laughs> well, this is the thing I talk about with train games. Is it's actually quite hard to identify them because you need some ones that basically have a minimum of movement because. Because I'll probably be using a trackpad, uh, and because um, I might be like sitting next to someone on the train, so I can only really have like basically two D platformers. The only thing well, I found that works. Well, games are um, turn based usually. Uh, that would help. Like, I tried playing uh, Papers Please on the train last time, and just with a trackpad, I just can't keep up. I I just my family dies by Wednesday oh. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Not a very family-oriented person <laughs> thought about that. I mean, it's a grim message to receive about yourself in time for Christmas, but I mean, you know, maybe you shouldn't have even bothered with the train ticket. <laughs> I'm not helping, am I? <laughs> uh, that's why things like FTL and stuff like that is perfect for trains, just uh, because you, know, just, you can pause, actually think. Uh, FTL has more stuff coming out next year. And it does, really yeah. Good. Advanced edition. Um, it has the what has now become the universal stretch goal for all successful Kickstarters, which is Chris Avalone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter what game it is, as long as it raises a certain amount. <laughs> you could play something like Broken Sword Five mm. or Summit, that kind of like adventurey clicky. Oh, that's true. Actually, I still have a couple of um, Wedge Eye games to play. And uh, Gemini Rue is currently in the humble bundle, so maybe I'll pick that uh, up. Of course, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've got that somewhere. Yeah, that's that's. I wonder what what partition of what computer that's on. 
<laughs> hard being me. It's all right. It's the future now. You don't have to keep hold of the physical game anymore. Damn you, Cloud! It's Why were you not around when I installed all these things? <laughs> oh man. Um, we have some questions from Twitter, by the way. Shall we? We could. We could answer them, or we could. We could answer them later. Uh, I don't know. Um. I did want to talk to Phil about you played a load of I, uh, IGF games, uh, yeah. quite which most games. of which will probably come out in 2014. That's true. <laughs> Should we talk oh, about perfect. those then? Phil, tell uh, us about them. Right. Um, so <laughs> I've played a few because it is a, well, this year it was just a giant list of uh, just hundreds of potential games. Uh, ranging the gamut from things you'll have already heard of because they're in early access or they've been released, obviously Papers, Please, that sort of thing, to mm. weird stuff like Punch the Custard, which <laughs> was a game... Is that involved... one of Pip's games? Because it sounds like <laughs> it. Actually, it's one that my friend George made. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, George Devonport. <laughs> hooking uh, your computer up to bowls of custard and then punching it from the look of the video. Yeah. Like, there's a sensor, isn't there? And, like, basically, the more you punch the custard because of the way that... Um, I can't remember the, the the scientific name for the phenomenon, but, you know, like, when you've got corn flour and yes. if you hit it hard enough, it behaves as a solid rather than a liquid. Mm. So, yeah, it's that kind of thing. So while you're sort of punching this thing, it's harder and harder and harder, I think. But, like, it registers <laughs> the amount of punches that you get. And, um, yeah, like, that. how do you test that as an IGF person, though? Like, <laughs> um, do they send you custard or, like, a bowl? No, they do a give you a long <laughs> list of instructions. And to look at a lot of what the okay. judges were saying, okay. mostly okay. what happened... Uh, was people went, oh, I've not got time for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's one that might fall afoul of the, the IGF, like, you get assigned like, a game to pe- and you have to play it thing. It's like, yeah. I can't construct an entire custom sensor. <laughs> yeah, there's like, isn't there like a criteria button or like, you know, a, a reason that you couldn't judge it button that's like, <laughs> yeah, there's a number it of those. doesn't work. It's not compatible with my current setup. Custom is not compatible with my computer. <laughs> I was hoping you were saying could not construct custard sensor. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, it was George Buckingham rather than I don't know who George Davenport is. Who? Why would I? Anyway, yes. But anyway, he's the guy who made that. It was really cool though. Like he shared a video of it at um, Game City, and like I think he was saying that like there was some little kid that kept coming back and back and back and getting better and better. And I was like, what is wrong with his arm? That's defying the laws of physics you know like you get tired what's the wrong with this style scene is going to take off next year i kind of want to play this now <laughs> it, it, it would be a perfect event game because it is just a line of people punching a bowl of custard and there's, there's no situation where that wouldn't be funny mm. i think he performs it every now and again so maybe like follow him on twitter and see mm. i think he's v21 on twitter maybe he'll be um, at the world one plus next year one might in be i don't know ask mm. We can, but ask. <laughs> so, what what other non custard related things? So non custard things. I mean, there were a couple that I played and just went immediately into the office PC gamer and said, "Everybody, download this now." Um, <laughs> one of them was Jazz Punk. Ah, yes, oh, I, I had a go on Jazz Punk after Phil told me about it. It's amazing. It, 
it is an amazing thing. Um, it to describe it, it's a bit like um, like the easiest sort of visual touchstone would be something like uh, Blendo games, Citizen Able yeah. games. It's um, kind of like the, Gravity Bone. the fast version of Gravity Bone, really. Yeah, um, but just tuned so specifically towards comedy and just being as funny and as silly and surreal as possible. Mm. I remember um, like becoming aware of it and being super enthusiastic because it the blurb referenced things like airplane and police yeah. squad and you know that kind of. Definitely like, that. I mean, the oh. airplane thing <laughs> is like immediately apparent because just every few steps there is like a different joke. This different little just self-contained idea mm. or joke or interaction. Um, so it's got that thing where not all of it's going to land, not all of it you're going to react to, but within mm. seconds there's something new to respond to. Um, so yeah, that's... I mean, it's a strange one to describe because you almost don't want to spoil a lot of what's going on, although there is so much that it's hardly a spoiler. But um, very sort of heavily based around spies and um, this sort of weird sort of stuck in the 60s but futuristic kind of thing where there's robots and cyborgs and bowling pins for some reason mm. uh, and it made you laugh out loud uh, yes multiple times <laughs> yeah. and uh, then when we did sort of a collaborative playthrough in the office it made many people laugh out loud <laughs> multiple times just watching it even without the sound uh, oh, awesome it's yeah definitely want to look out for that um I, i've played about two levels I, what happens is you go to this sort of it's a london underground type station torture boss he gives you a mission to go and probably steal something uh in one of the missions it's a man's uh cybernetically enhanced kidney uh so then most of it, well, I mean, you've got the one objective, which, I mean, there's not puzzles as much. It is very much one of these sort of first-person ambulators where you just walk through, interact with the odd thing that's there, um, and basically just find all the jokes. But, there, I mean, there are side quests and all that. There are little just things to explore. It's a real game that you want to take your time with. Mm. That's coming out super soon as well, isn't it? It's like January or something. I think maybe. Right? I think it is. Like it's available for pre-order, isn't it? It is available for pre-order. Yeah. Yeah. Game of the January two thousand fourteen. Yeah, I think it's the first month or couple of months. It's due in in twenty fourteen. Speaking of random games, I also got a chance to play the beginning or to take a look at the uh, IGF build of uh, Quadrilateral Cowboy, and that's that's looking really good. Mm. Uh, it's, it's um, like it just starts off with this train heist that um, again it's done through very simple things where you you haven't got like the full deck at that point when you probably program things but you so you've just got like a thing that plugs in and you choose to open door or whatever mm. um, but it's the way in which the train heist is put together has just got this really lovely presentation to it that's kind of like the chase at the end of uh, 30 Flights of Lummy. Right. Um, and yeah, it gave me a lot of hope because uh, although I've, I've heard a lot of cool things about the programmer aspect of Quadrilateral Cowboy, I've been really hoping that it doesn't lose that 
weird sense of cinema that um, so your flights of loving and gravity burn had. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Also, I've been I've been trying to figure out if any of the characters are actually the same people, but it's kind of hard because everyone looks more or less the same. In the, in the, yeah, basically, it's a sit in a sit able verse. Uh, yeah, there's like three red-headed women, and I can't figure out if they're the same person because they're drawn so stylized in such a stylized fashion. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Hmm. Yeah, That would really throw me actually. I'd get a bit preoccupied with that, and then cross. (laughs) The the, the woman you chase at the end of Gravity Bone. I've often wondered if she's actually the same person who's the uh, the the um, sniper in Thirty Flights of Loving, but I can't really tell. Mm. Okay. Cool. Anything else catch your eye? Yes, the other one is uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, which Oh, is... I'm super excited about <laughs> There it is. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> basically a rhythm roguelike, which are just two words that fit together so nicely. Um, <laughs> it's procedurally generated dungeons that you sort of, you know, you do your standard questing through killing monsters, gathering loot, that sort of thing, except every action you perform has to be done to the beat. Um that be uh, either being the levels there or your own music. If you've, you know, if you plug that into the sequencer, it will generate the, well, not, not generate the level, but sort of generate the rhythm that you've got to follow mm-hmm. based on based on that. Um, but it's really so kind clever. of like audio surf almost, maybe. <clears throat> but it's really clever in the way that it sort of because most of your interactions and certainly the loot and the special items you get none of that's sort of geared towards the music it's almost like the two things are completely separated out um, Mm -hmm. where it really comes in is with the combat system um, because both you and your enemies are doing this turn based thing but your turn, you know, the the length and the frequency of the turn is defined by having to move on, Mm. you know, this metronomic sort of curve and that means that positioning is vital so it's all about trying to make sure you're moving into an enemy and they're not moving into you um Mm. so you just do these little dances around the whichever room you're in trying to work out where to get best get into position to attack something um it reminds me a little bit of um so there's this game like years and years and years ago where it was supposed to be i think slightly educational as in it was about the food chain and so you'd play as like a different kind of animal. Um, and then like every move you made, they made a move, that kind of thing. And so you'd end up like dancing about just trying to work out how you were going to trap this thing and eat it or whether it was going to eat you and you could escape that kind of thing. So it kind of sounds like that, but with funky music. That's exactly it, yeah. So <laughs> the, the actual music based stuff isn't actually acknowledged at any point in the rest of the game. Um, not of, as far uh, as I could tell in what was admittedly, you know, an alpha build. I was kind of I was, from the name Crypt of the Necrodancer. I was kind of hoping you'd end up fighting a disco leech. Um, well, there, there's a, the cutscene at the start. You, uh, I think you fall down um, this this hole and die, and then are resurrected by, I assume, the power of dance. So, <laughs> as, you know, as can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I assume it, it, it's sort of referenced uh, later on or somewhere within the story. But uh, for, you, for the most part, no, it's just dungeoning and dancing. Did you ever play Beat Sneak Bandit? No. 
Oh, okay, that's um. Was that not? Was that an iOS thing? Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, it's uh, how do you say it? Simogo, you know the ones who did Device Six mm. and um, Year Walk and stuff like that. But it was um, this like I think the conceit was that you were trying to get the clocks back from someone who'd stolen them or something. Um, like, you know, in a kind of Robin Hood kind of thing. Um, and you'd sort of need to move to the beat to, like, sneak around. And if you fucked up the beat, uh, if you moved not on the beat, then it would sort of trigger enemies and things like that. So that was kind of interesting for, for fans of things that involve beats. <laughs> and if you were looking for something to play over Christmas, that might be good, even though it's quite old now. But yeah. Good one. Cool. Um, so, uh, Year Walk is coming to PC, isn't it? Yeah. That's nice though, because I've, I've heard nothing but good things about Simogo games, but I don't own an iDevice, so I've never been able to play any of them. The thing is, though, they've, they do them so well for the medium that they put them out on, as in, like, for mm-hmm. a mobile device. And so, because, for example, Device 6 actually makes really great use of the fact that it's a thing that you can turn side to side, turn upside down, whatever. So I can't imagine it being the same kind of fun or the same interesting thing on PC. And similarly, like with Year Walk, some of it is to do with, you know, how you drag something around the screen or like the progress that you can make, the sort of tactility almost. Mm. Um, I think what they've said for Year Walk is that they're going to, it's going to be not just like a port, it's going to be a full mm. revamp to replace any sections that are better, that, that are kind of clearly geared towards iOS to something else that will fit on like PC. Like a reimagining, maybe. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. kind of remaking it from a design document only for PC, I guess. The mm. thing is, like, the fact that they are good at working with systems and sort of understanding the limitations and the strengths, like... I'm not like worried that it will be the worst for it, but I'll be interested to see how it changes it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Also, speaking of beats, mm-hmm. <laughs> we went Good to the One Life Left Christmas party the other week, <laughs> which had some fabulous game-related beats. I don't really know how to talk about music. <laughs> they do. Speaking, so take over, Pip. Take over. <laughs> well, they do video game karaoke, and it is. Spectacular and sublime in equal measure, um, and so yeah, like you can probably guess, but it's popular tunes, but with the lyrics replaced with uh, to be relevant to uh, video games. So yeah, there's uh, some really good stuff there. I think. Well, um, although I'm not a musically inclined person, I did appreciate some of the weapons-grade puns deployed there. My personal favourite being "All I Want for Christmas Is Doom." <laughs> with the line, I think it was, um, open up um, uh, the file and see slash doom.exe. <laughs> <laughs> there is, um, they did a video game karaoke up in Game City as well earlier in the year, and um, I remember I signed up for the Village Peoples in the Navy, like just because that's a song I can do because it involves more shouting than singing. So I was like, right, put me down for that. And they're like, do you know what? the game is don't care don't I'm, I'm doing that song. oh i thought and, that was a deliberate thing that they didn't tell people what the game was going to be yeah 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 <laughs> like yeah no they weren't asking that it was like the person who stood next mm. to me i think but um it was gta 3 
mm-hmm. which was yeah that that was that was a lovely evening um but yeah um jonathan smith serenaded um martin oh his surname's gone completely hollis. out of my head yes martin hollis um with nobody does it better for goldeneye well, the reimagined two golden eye, <laughs> which was something spectacular because Jonathan can sing, which is kind of against the rules of karaoke anyway. Um, but anyway, yeah, so but the new ones for this slot were um, things like um, DNA by Little Wings, uh, Little, Little Wings, Little Mix from I think their album is uh, Wings, anyway. Um, but yeah, and that was MPC, so it's, it's just an MPC. And then NPC, you know, that kind of thing. I can't sing, so you'll forgive me for just sort of talking. Well, you did actually sing on the night. You uh, yes. sung a duet mm. about the steam green light with Keith Stewart. Yes, that was to the tune of Islands in the Stream. So I, I believe I was Dolly Parton and Keith Stewart was uh, Kenny Rogers. I can't remember. Were you Valve and Keith was the indie developer? I'm not I sure. Possibly. I just, yeah, that that evening, probably best to draw a veil over it, but it was really good. So, um, And also, yeah, One Life Left do a radio show and a podcast. So you should probably listen to that at some point because it's very good. You've been but on I'll it. Listen to ours. <laughs> You've been on it, Pip, and so has Kara, in fact. Yeah, I have. Um, I'm sure they'll be asking Craig any minute now. <laughs> should be. Stealing my hosts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote to them before I was even on this thing. I wrote into them ages ago with a terrible <laughs> joke about Mario. So, there we go. Right. Shall we do so, the questions from Twitter? We can. There's quite a few of them, actually. Let's we just have you ask instead of the podcast account. You're obviously way more popular. <laughs> I think I just caught everyone at the right time. I don't know. Um, so we have a question from Max Ursa saying, what piece of music or sound effect would you or do you have as a tone on your phone? I don't have anything. I just have default ringtones because I'm an incredibly boring person. I would probably really like my text tone to be the um, chest opening noise from Zelda. That kind of doo-doo-doo-doo kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of anticipatory reveal of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have... but I just can't be bothered fighting with um, iPhone-ness about it because, I don't know, it used to be really straightforward. I used to have like loads of different tones and tunes for my old phones, but... I don't know, Apple make it not really intuitive. I actually do have the sound effects from the buttons on Portal 2. Oh, really? Yeah. Valve released them all just like a load of sound effects just as like text message files, whatever, just for, you, for devices mm. like that. And all of Sony Ericsson's Android ones were awful. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of worked out. Maybe I should do this over Christmas. I should investigate and then just... You should like, replace your alarm clock with um, Rise and Shine, Mr. Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> cool, okay. So... Sorry, Max, I'm really dull. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else do we have? We have from uh, Goka Yildirim. Maybe. I hope I've said that right. Now that games are getting huge updates after release, do you feel like day one reviews are losing importance? Um, 
it's tricky because things still sell on day one and people still want to know things at day one the idea of like the, the static review that you put down and that's it and it's done I think mm. is already dead to be honest I think we've already moved past that in the last year because um, I mean for you at PC Gamer you guys do beta reviews now and you also re-review stuff even when I was there I was still re-reviewing stuff that had significant updates over the course of a year or two uh, yeah I mean we'll, we'll do proper re-reviews if some usually when something switches from beta to to actual release um, anything it, beyond that it tends to be uh, there's a section in the magazine called update where we it's essentially a review without the score just how have the updates affected this game but there was, um, I remember it got kicked off by games turning to free from free to free to play. Mm, yeah, that will. Yeah, I think a couple of MMOs have had to be re-reviews because of that switch, and mm. it's sort of it's an incredibly difficult thing to kind of get set a policy for because there's so many. You know, you think you've got okay, we'll, we'll do this, this, and this. We've got all the bases covered, and then someone else will do something, and you're like, oh, well, where does that fit into? And beyond all that, you've got to you know find resources and see whether it's worth people's time. Um, but all right, day one reviews are still useful just because that's when the game's going to be the most expensive. That's when you know there's, it's going to have the most attention. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a value in that sort. Because the thing to remember is that there's a split market here. You know, although we although there is this. You know, there's a bunch of high-profile games like, say, Daisy that are in early access. You're still not that's still not happening for something like Battlefield, or mm. you know, there's still big AAA games coming out in the, the traditional way. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but then, something like Battlefield, sometimes you do need like just the alert that says, "Yeah, this is an estate to play now. This is." Mm. This mm. is you know, in terms of the original question, it's not really that we feel like the day one reviews are losing importance. It's more that you really have to think carefully about what comes after yeah. or like how you deal with or updates. Or before, in fact. Yeah, before. yeah, how you deal with the rest. And, and the I fact think that... I think, um, sorry. You, you, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I think Phil's right that it is still the peak. It's just that it's not the only thing now. It's where the web is is stronger than print in some ways because you can be a bit more agile because that's the only thing that people will see. You'll update the page and fine, you can kind of you know Google or Time Machine or whatever, but uh, you know cached versions or whatever. But the one that people will find when they come to your site is the one that you've tweaked or updated or whatever. Whereas if you go back through your magazine collection to find something, yes, then that has obviously aged more. Yeah. Or, you know. There's um, yeah. Uh, also, you've got the whole like metacritic nonsense thing, which sadly has way more of an effect than it should do. Uh, and they take the first score and stick by it for reasons that have never made any sense. It seems completely arbitrary, really. It's probably just an ease of implementing algorithms. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um, next question is from Anne Scantlebury saying, "Winter is a tough time for lips due to the weather." What is the best way to keep them moisturised in video games? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to say, so there's a character who I mentioned before in Dota 2 who I play as called Venomancer, and he's, there's a certain amount of sort of poisonous oozing <laughs> that he does. And I would say that I would probably use that because it doesn't affect him negatively. It just sort of, you know, you could, you could use this sort of lip gloss, lip salve as an offensive weapon as well. You know, just sort of kiss those who would disobey you. 
So there we go. Your obsession with Venomancer is getting creepier by the second. A little bit, a yeah. little bit. If I start writing fan fiction, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna. I think you've just started writing fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> if it gets to Owen levels, because Owen's written CS stories. Oh yeah, I, don't, yeah, I yeah. played that. So. <laughs> I meant to mention that earlier. Yes, CS story. It just Counter Strike the text adventure, which will yeah. probably make no fucking sense to me, but I'm sure other people will enjoy. It. We can put a link in the show notes because it's actually really good fun, and I won't sort of spoil. It's yeah, so I mean, a good rule of thumb is if you can understand the menu of Counter Strike, you might have a better <laughs> chance than Tom of understanding it. I basically, basically, I don't really play games. I'm just a fake geek guy. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, next question is from the Night Shift, who says, "What is the game you are most looking forward to?" I'm glad you assumed we had no answer to that. <laughs> you were correct too. Well, okay, fine, fine. No, what I, you I, I don't. It's the just... video game lips out of you. Tell me. <laughs> no, I don't have any answers to that either. But well done. I'm guessing that I wouldn't. <laughs> well done for hanging a lampshade over that, Tom. We nearly got away with it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, game you're most looking forward to. Yeah. Sorry, what was that next year? Next yeah. year. Um, I think it's actually Quadrilateral Cowboy for me now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm genuinely looking forward to jazz punk. Really, really mm. looking forward no, to it. Definitely looking forward to it. Um, it's, yeah, I'm just such a huge fan of Thirty Fights of Loving. It's one of it's probably one of my favourite games ever. Um, other than that, probably and uh, probably Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for Bioware games, and they've been working on this for quite a long time now. <laughs> yeah, I'll be good. Um, I'll be interested in like the EverQuest Next stuff as well, like mm-hmm. particularly like the user-generated content side of things. Partly because I'm a massive like intellectual property nerd, <laughs> so I'd be interested because you know they've done. I think they've done that thing where like they divide up the royalties proportionally so if you know you can create blueprints for things and then if someone makes something that modifies one of your blueprints you somehow mm-hmm. are compensated for the proportion that's yours mm-hmm. i think i read about that ages ago it might have changed i should probably check on that but that sounded super interesting just in terms of like acknowledging different people's contributions and how the game it's nice like... to see someone thinking about the intellectual property before they become popular as opposed yeah. to you. it feels impossible though so that's why I was kind of interested in a kind of weird slightly abstract I don't know how that's going to play out kind of a way um, also non-video game share, I'm really looking forward to the uh, fate conversion of Eclipse Phase Eclipse Phase is a, an ama- has an amazing setting uh, it's mm. this transhuman game uh, uh, future game where the earth is ruined and everyone's escaped and formed colonies around the solar system and it's really interesting because it's entirely forward thinking it's not like all these like fantasy Rome and fantasy X country it's all these various ideas of like Titan has this sort of uh, has this sort of um, socialist system with no concept of money and um, there are other places that have like bioconservatives who object to the um, notion of transhumanism and of uh, genetic modification and mm. uh, other places that run on a far more anarchic system and uh, other ones that are controlled by hypercorps, which are kind of less top-down uh, versions of mega corporations, And it's all really interesting in future uh, and forward-thinking and 
very different from simple allegory sci-fi. Um, but unfortunately, the system they use is I find really awkward and a little overly complex. But they're they're going to port it over to the far more narrative and rules like fate system. So I'm really looking forward to getting a crack at that. Mm. In, cool. In terms that's of... a pen and paper RPG, which I realised I forgot to say you at the beginning. Well, <laughs> I was going to say because actually one of the other questions we've got is what's your non-video game game of the year? Oh. And I appreciate that that's is this the the one you're talking about is that for next year That's or is that this year? year? Um, ah, okay. You won't let fell out to his game of the year. I, yeah, uh, so. I'm games of next year. <laughs> um, so in terms of like things, like, I have no good reason to like think it will be good, but really hope it will. Um, that No Man's Sky that was teased at the oh yeah. I really want to see more of that and how that this just massive procedural generation and. What unfortunately looks like a mingle player system. <laughs> God damn you! <laughs> damn you, Hello Games. Um, how that's going to play out? But I mean, really, it's all about Tropico Five. Mm. Um, that's that's going to be the best game of the year, without a doubt. I actually put, uh, I I reviewed one of the uh, Tropico Four. I think it was actually surprisingly good. Tropico's not, not Tro- even being like. Facetious or anything. Tropicos are really good. Tropico three uh, and four was just sort of an iterative update on this, but like they were doing a lot of the things that SimCity was teasing mm. that it was going. You know, all these things of every person isn't a real actual person on the island, and obviously it was too a smaller scope because you're just on this island thing. But mm. the big benefit was it actually worked. So. It's, yeah, no, I, 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 like I said, I, I was given Tropico 4 to review, having not really played the series much before. I think it was one of the expansions, actually. It was Modern Times. Okay, yeah. Um, and I was really surprised. I thought, wow, how have I not played this before? Because it's actually really good. Putting that kind of sort of slapstick, um, to ta- uh, that sort of slapstick with an Republic veneer on it also just give, makes it just that little bit more fun. It makes it feel a bit more like the uh, the old Bullfrog management game. Yeah, the dark humor. The mm-hmm. thing I really loved about um, Modern Times was one of the new things it gave you was... Um, the ability to um, uh, the ability to cl- to erect a great firewall of China and clamp mm-hmm. down on your um, subjects like use of social media, mm-hmm. at which point um, their productivity went up and the in-game Twitter stuff all got disabled. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, uh, like the big features, five seem to be at it. Well, for start, it's just longer. They're, they're basically here, so it starts in colonial times and it will move forward to like the 21st century or something. Um, mm. But also nepotism. That is, uh, that is a boxed feature. You, 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 <laughs> <laughs> the entire family. Look the game sometimes is the way they do that. Like uh, I can't remember who was saying this about Crusader Kings, which, like, Crusader Kings most readers expansion basically has the patch note added Judaism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that sounds really uh, interesting, actually. Mm. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Tropico is the only video game series that features Lou Bega as a playable character? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Just a fact, but <laughs> injecting a fact. <laughs> um, shall we move on to the next question before I think of any more facts? <laughs> sure. So Ben Borthwick. Uh, asks if Connect knows if I've been sleeping and knows if I'm awake. Does it know if I've been bad or good, and will I get an achievement? <laughs> I think that's moving into the sort of philosophical realms. I think as Kara 
this investigation proved, it knows if you've been naughty to a certain definition of the word naughty. No, I don't know, because it couldn't identify her butt, so I don't know how <laughs> naughty it could know. <laughs> it can't tell if you're mooning it. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. may be able to tell if you have a boner. Or maybe it turns a literal blind eye. <laughs> so, the thing is, like, if it knows if you're if you're sleeping, I don't think it it can tell when you you've got your eyes closed and when you're not engaging with it. But like, I don't know. I'd like to think that Santa would actually know using the power of magic would know whether you were genuinely asleep or not. Mm. I don't really know where this question is going. I don't well, think Ben's going to get an achievement. I don't no, think, but I think is Santa. But I did favourite his tweet, so maybe that's worth something. I think what we can say for sure is that Connect does know. It just doesn't want you to know that it knows. Oh. It's just basically it's just keeping notes. And the value the the moral value of those notes. So uh, Rich Woodward uh, says, I used to sit on my dad's lap when I was really little and we'd take it in turns to play Mario Land. Have you ever played games with your parents? And what was that like? I played a game with my mum a couple of months ago, actually. Um, When I got back from Game City, I spent like the next day hanging around with my parents because Game City is in Nottingham. My parents live in Birmingham. It seemed sensible to have a pit stop between the two. And I, um, she's very into like uh, creative writing and write sto- short stories so I showed her Castles in the Sky oh yeah enjoyed. so there you go hmm. um, Phil do your parents game? Uh, not particularly um, my mum still thinks that the sort of zenith of all gaming was Sonic the Hedgehog 2 <laughs> um, <laughs> she's not alone really yeah I mean, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to disagree but um, <laughs> One of the few gaming memories I have with my parents was playing uh, World Cup Italia 90 on the Mega Drive with my dad. Uh, and he was so bad at it that I uh, thought I'd help him out by scoring an own goal. And then he stopped playing because <laughs> he got very angry. <laughs> oh, my parents don't really play games. I think my dad plays the like pre-installed windows games you know like minecraft uh, minecraft uh minesweeper and you know like uh, spider solitaire and stuff like that but um they've never really had any interest in in gaming as a, a medium for anything really i think like it just doesn't seem to fill in that kind of gap like my dad likes his smartphone but he'll use it for like reading things on yeah i know it's the same thing with me my mom doesn't really game i just uh thought i'd show her that uh though she did have a Wii? Um, she was part of one of the, the many people who bought a Wii, played Wii Sports, and then never looked at it again. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, like it, it's just such a sort of weird. Like I think it's if you say, "Would you like to play a game?" Like that instantly seems to put up a a barrier between them and the experience. I do sort of wonder yeah. if I just sort of sneak it up on them somehow. That <laughs> <laughs> might have a better success rate than just, "Hey, would you like to play this with me?" Mm. But um, I played Goragoa with uh, with my sister, and she really liked that. But um, obviously, that's someone of the same generation as me. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking forward to getting my baby niece into games. Mm. So yeah, I think that would be cool. Like, because it's something that I've never really had to think about before as well. You know, like the appropriateness of content. I mean, you know, you sort of you're aware of it on an abstract level, but. I guess you do start thinking about the the lessons that the parent of said child might want to impart and, like, your own responsibility for that, I guess. 
yeah, no, I think we're seeing a lot of people thinking about that more as well. Um, I think that's part of why, for instance, Frozen Endzone is a sport as opposed to Frozen Synapse, which was a game about shooting people. Mm. Because kids can play it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. the World of Tanks guys once told me that, that they put down a lot of large part of success down to the fact that because you were blowing up tanks rather than shoot, actually killing men, they were, their game was a lot more kid-friendly than a lot of their um, competitors. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like a lot of games are sort of, uh, or a lot of big game companies are maybe going to have to think about that kind of thing. I think Blizzard are thinking about it already because they've, you know, they announced that um, children's storybook and stuff like that. Like I think they're realizing that the demographic that started playing, you know, like is probably at the point where they've got kids, or you know, like it's it's how to integrate their product into your life in an appropriate way, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure tanks exploding. Um, it really fits into that particularly. But <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah, but that's how they put it. I'm. Uh... <laughs> and it is a weird thing in in like movies and in terms of ratings and stuff. But if if something explodes where there's clearly a person inside it, if the fact that that's more okay than if you actually see the person get killed. Uh, and it does lead to like weird scenarios like um, the EA burnout games where there's nobody inside the vehicles as they do these lavish crash vehicles. It's like they're remote controlled. It's sentient <laughs> cars. It's fine. It's the, gr- it's, it's the gritty reboot of cars. By <laughs> um, Rich also asks what is the most Christmassy game? You know actually Castles in the Sky again. There's something oddly Christmassy about that to me. I think because it, part in part the artwork and the storybook nature of it, um, reminds me of the snowman. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say that again. Hmm. I'm just gonna answer all questions with castles in the sky in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Mario Party maybe, because it's it's the one that sort of lends itself to playing with people who are you know very near to you on the sofa and that sort of like slightly raucous but you know like competitive it's it's basically a board game but on on a console so but i that for me it feels christmasy even though it's not a game that is specifically about christmas or set at christmas or anything like that yeah, it's probably better choice because a lot of MOs and stuff at the moment are doing their big Christmas updates. Um, mm. Guild Wars 2 has some bizarre thing where you have to kick rats or something. Um, but I'm not going to be near a computer that can play an MO over Christmas, so it's kind of disqualified despite mm. you know being exactly within the theme. Mm, yeah. I don't know, like it, skinning something up to look Christmassy doesn't sort of have that effect it's more about the kind of like what evokes the spirit of christmas like whether that's you know spending time with family or friends i guess well definitely otherwise the correct answer would be batman arkham origins (laughs) i don't think punching policemen in the face really well i'd already forgotten that was set at christmas (laughs) i know most people will very (laughs) gone home has the christmas duck that's true Uh, yeah of course Um, then uh, we get to what's your non-video game game of the year I've been trying to figure this out since you mentioned the first time because it's really hard because because they don't really have the same kind of active press that video games have with board Mm. games or pen and paper RPGs you don't really remember what came out this year Uh, I have had a look trying to figure it out Um, and 
think my well, my answer is gonna, I guess something that's been in beta this year. That's the closest I can come up with. Mm. Which is Urban Shadows, uh, which is an apocalypse world based game set in a <coughs> uh, in an urban fantasy setting. Um, so mishmashing a load of like Buffy esque stuff and Dresden Files stuff and um, giving you a bunch of like horror and fancy uh, staples within a city. Um, and it just works really well, builds on the ideas of. Um, Apocalypse World has this really cool system whereby you have essentially have two tracks of experience, your regular one and your corruption, which you mark every time you do something, you know, dodgy. Like every time you abuse your powers, every time you kill a person, every time you take the easy and less moral route, basically. And whenever you reach the end, um, same as a regular experience track in Apocalypse World, whenever you like reach five, you get a new, uh, yeah, a new ability. And that still happens mm-hmm. with corruption, except the corruption abilities are fucking amazing. They're mm-hmm. all... Horrible, they're all horrendously powerful sometimes even possibly overpowered in the nature of the fiction but when you get all the corruption moves and there's like four that that's it like you have uh, you have become corrupted your character retires and becomes an NPC you've lost control of them so I really love it because it tempts you, it, it's trying to get this idea of tempting you with the possibility of power but it's actually literally doing it by tempting you with power <laughs> um, <laughs> which is a really yeah. nice system uh, and then we need been, subtlety. Yeah, <laughs> we started playing it. Um, playing three or four games, I think, set in Mystic Bath at the moment, and they're all really characterful archetypes as well. Um, I'm playing a student wizard in both uh, both uses of the word, uh, as in a wizard who is a student. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's like a teen wolf, a um, a middle aged uh, monster hunter, uh, a tramp who has seen too much, and a, a two thousand year old Roman ghost. Um, and the Teen Wolf has just been accelerating up the corruption meter so fast. It's like she's gonna become a monster by like game six, I'm sure of it. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's currently in playtest. Uh, so that is technically a bit of a dodge, I guess. But I can't really think of what came out this year and what didn't in non in non video game terms. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Was City of Horror this year? No, it was last year, wasn't it? Because um, I've played that a few times. That's really good. Uh, but mostly I've just sort of enjoyed finding more um, non-video game games to mm. play with friends. Like I've been playing a lot with the Shut Up and Sit Down guys. And it's just, it's really nice that there's this massive back catalogue of stuff that I had no idea existed. And so Mm, I don't want to like pick out a game of the year, but just the whole experience of of that has been really good and like really enjoyable. And it kind of brings back that whole, what I used to love about video games was sitting there with friends on a sofa playing. And so the the ability to sort of get that back with board games, because I did it the wrong way around i never had board games as a kid mm. so you know it's uh, the thing that i was like oh you can you can recreate video games with something that's that's not digital <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> how about you phil um i have no answer for this i think <laughs> i have played any non-game games you are um, entirely digital at all times at all times <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I expect next year will be my sort of baptism into board gaming. and Yeah, we'll be planning to play a lot more in the flat next year, so yeah. we'll, tr- we'll try and get for Lunsome. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
let me know when you do this. <laughs> <laughs> I will probably be over constantly over the course of the yeah. next year. Yeah, um, there has been talk of like the the flat sized expanses board games and strategies that take months and yeah I'm, I'm trying to get hold of a copy of risk legacy to live in the flat uh, <laughs> other people are, are welcome to stop by and play a, a game but it'll probably be the three of us sticking around throughout <laughs> cool uh darren sampson asks how am i ever supposed to understand dota 2 without putting upwards of 100 hours into it and when will dota 3 come out um, uh, which... Yes, I would like to know the answer to that first question as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I think it's just about like using your time smartly. So, like you know, just reading around a bit and and sort of checking like the Dota Reddit for tips. Like what I've found um, helpful at the moment is like maybe having a game with a hero, like getting a basic feel for it, and then going to the Dota Two subreddit and like just picking through like they they do like a hero discussion each day, and so just finding the most recent one for that particular hero, and then like loads of people chipping in with lots of like different tips and things. Um, and also like the purge plays videos and stuff like that like basically just like watching other people do things being aware of where it's differing quite dramatically from what you're doing Um, and also playing with more experienced people and just asking like flat out what the hell am I doing wrong why did I just die you know yeah that's what I was going to say if you can get um, if you can get to play with other people uh, other friends on your team and just follow their instructions, you can probably pick up a few things, though I'm sure it's very irritating for them. It's kind of interesting, because it, it highlights how much progress you've made, actually, because I was playing with somebody completely new, and they were, they'd picked a hero that I didn't feel like I knew well enough to play myself, like, just generally, with the people that I usually play with. But when um, he was asking questions, it was all stuff that I could answer, so clearly, like, the theory gradually diffuses into your brain, even if like the actual sort of finger ability of playing it in in a given moment doesn't so that's i hope finger ability is is that your <laughs> new word of 2014 <laughs> yeah i'm gonna try and work that one into a general discussion as much as possible <laughs> all of my articles <laughs> uh, it's way worse than mingle flair <laughs> oh man um ben hall asks what's the best video game of all time that involves jumping almost none of my favorite video games involve jumping i actually i finished my first 2d platformer ever um the other day Mm. uh which was thomas was alone because i'm just that bad at them Mm. um so for me prince of persia the sands of time okay bill um, I'm going to honour my mum and say Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Aww. <laughs> uh, uh, anything with a double jump, that's that's what it's all about. I see. Like, yeah, it's that really satisfying experience when you get it right. A triple yeah. jump may be a bit, bit too far, um, but uh, yeah. This is why I play Scout in TF2 constantly, just because whenever in any game that lets me do it, I am just jumping all the time. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I'm kind of the same with wall running, which is like why I like uh, <laughs> Prince of Persia because it was the first game that introduced me to that kind of slightly different take on platforming, where it's I guess it's more about the puzzle, but also it's got all these nice little parkour moves. And I just also really love the setting and the story and the characters. It feels kind of like a big bedtime story or something, an Arabian Nights tale. Oh, cool. Would um, do you think uh, Monkey Ball would count as jumping? 
because you sort of launch yourself off and sort of float through the sky and you have to time the you know you opening or closing your capsule properly to like land on targets and things I suppose so yeah so but I, it's it's less of a sort of jump and more of a I well, know I suppose that would count yeah yeah they call it it's ski, it's, jump it's ski jumping basically yeah, yeah. so yeah that's mine because <laughs> it's just so satisfying when you get it right and hilarious when you don't and <laughs> little monkey crashes into the sea and drowns uh, <laughs> which makes me sound like a psychopath anyway <laughs> not any more or less than everything you've said on this podcast <laughs> oh, yeah, there is that. <laughs> um, there's only a few more left by the way <laughs> only two you've got like the three times as many as we usually get <laughs> <laughs> remind me to do it next time at this point in time it seems to be like the, the time when everyone's like at a loose end and pondering on the internet um can you think of any video games ideal for long periods without access to the internet that's i ask depends what you're going for really i mean uh there are plenty of long single player games that don't really require internet access like any kind of long rpg or immersive sim um if you're if it if this I'm guessing this is because you're going home for Christmas, you probably also want something that will work really well on a um, on a, a not very good computer. <laughs> if mm. you're taking a laptop home or something like I am, in which case uh, Thomas was alone worked very well for me. Um, also, Baldur's Gate Two runs quite well on um, like tiny netbooks and things like that. Yeah, if you mm. get like Baldur's Gate One and Two from like GOG or something like that, you can configure the mods in such a way that they just run as one long unbroken game that will probably last you two to three hundred hours so that's probably more time than you even need uh, yeah yeah <laughs> it's a really long time that'll do it mm. and if it's stuff that's like going to keep you going for a long period of time but isn't a long game in and of itself i find like that's really good for like you know um ios oh, stuff Splunk. like match three kind of thing oh, yes. yeah Splunk is the right answer <laughs> <laughs> so I find Splunky quite hard to play with the keyboard, so pack an Xbox 360 yeah. if you can. Mm. Yeah, stuff like that, really. Or like anything on console, really. Any sort of long or, you know, sizable console game if you're going to have console access. That should be should be good. Um, and finally, uh, Mithun asks, predictions for what next year will be the year of... Well, I've already said it's going to be yeah. the year of balls. Balls, beneath and mingle player. And finger ability. <laughs> well, there we go. Balls, Bidoof and mingle player is going to... Yeah, that'll just be our, our Twitter bio. Really, <laughs> I think the title of this episode might be Balls, Bidoof and finger ability. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll be interested to see whether you get more or less downloads than usual based on that. <laughs> Let's do it. Lead with finger ability. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> okay, cool. That's all of the um, the questions from Twitter. So that's it for 2014. No, um, that's about it. I, uh, like a year that's ahead. That's it. We're, um, <laughs> yeah, we're back in the year of the PS3. In a bit, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there are, I, I think this is going to be our last podcast of the year. Let me bring up the dates. And you will be getting it uh, just before Christmas. Hopefully, something to listen to on the train. I'm not sure exactly when we're going to be back, but it will likely be ju- uh, a, the first week of 2014. Mm. 
and we'll hope to see you all then. Um, feel free to let us know what you've been playing and uh, what games you get for Christmas and all of that fun stuff. Oh, that's, I should totally be asking people that at the start of the next podcast, shouldn't I? Yeah, what did you get for Christmas? I actually got my first game for Christmas. Oh, yeah. Uh, Company of Heroes 2. Uh, oh. Which is wintry Mrs. and thus Christmassy. It, yeah. <laughs> in, in the sort of millions of Russians dying in the snow way. I bought myself Dishonored in the uh, in the Steam sale, mm. so that was a Christmas present to myself, <laughs> along with a billion squillion Dota items, obviously. <laughs> of course. God. Obviously. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, in that case, uh, shall we say goodbye to 2013 and to everybody for listening? Thank you. Goodbye, everyone, and also 2013. Goodbye, everybody, <laughs> and 2013. <laughs>